Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, Skin, I'm here. Most days I'm uh, Josh Allen's backup. Nobody knows who I am. It's great. So I'm going to see today how many autographs I can get from my teammates. Let's go, Bills. Hey, Isaiah, man, can I get your autograph, man? I've been a big fan of yours, man. Ever since you was in college, man. <laughs> Will you do it one more time for me, man? It's kind of hard to read. Is this case? <laughs> I heard he got you once. I was about to get you twice. Hey, man, you're my favorite player, man. Who's your favorite backup quarterback? Okay, I'll see you later, man. Good luck out there, man. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Now show the clip where he throws the football into the crotch of Josh Allen as Allen's running up the tunnel. Maybe that's the explanation. Maybe it was Case Keenum who got him in the sweet spot or not so sweet, depending upon whether you're the deliverer or the recipient of such a Oh, it's just painful thinking about it. Anyway, that was good. That was well done. My son asked me if I watched that. He said it was really funny. I hadn't gotten around to it. I'm glad we used it. Very well done by Case Keenum. Awesome. Really is. The the kind of thing you need to do, too, to, like, break up camp. It's that time where it's like, oh, man, another day of practice. It's the 17th in a row. You know, so have a little fun. Case Keenum seems like he has a great way about him. He's uh, one of the better backups in football, like we talked about. I feel like we've seen him do this before, maybe, that like he pulled this stunt off uh, as we were watching it, but I can't remember exactly, but that was well done by Buffalo and Case Keenum. Easy for him to do it because he's a normal-sized human, not a giant. It would be hard for you to pull it off while you were playing because – 
between the giant head and the six foot five inch frame, that would kind of give it away as you're bending over to ask one of the players to sign your your football. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He's he's the right guy. (laughs) Yeah, he's the right guy that can kind of blend in a little bit. I like the accent he went for there. I don't know what that accent was, Um, and then. And then I guess yeah, Pete's saying, "Is that West Virginian?" I don't know what that was. Had a little, but had a little sling blade. It did have to a little. It. it did have a little like twang to it. The best part though is the fact that Gabe Davis, in a sport of football where everybody pats your butt, he was like, "Wait, <laughs> I don't know you. You don't have the right to pat my butt." And that's what got him turned around. <laughs> that's that was good. pretty good. That was good. Very well, very well done. By the way, we're here today on a Wednesday. It's Pro Football Talk Live on Peacock Series XM eighty five. Hello to our good friends in the U.K. watching the program on Sky Sports, also Ireland. Always got to mention Ireland. I can't believe you didn't know that. Like, duh. You didn't know Ireland wasn't in the U.K.? Podcasts. I've learned it over the past few years. (laughs) Shut up. Anyone listening to us, wherever the podcast may be available, they get very sensitive when they don't get a specific hello and welcome and acknowledgement. So, oh, oh, by the way, by the way, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that you should subscribe to the NFL Here it is, baby. YouTube channel. I didn't realize all I have to do is mention it, and they play this. Oh, they commercial. love to press this it's thing. Awesome. There you are. Old We're still Florio. working to get to 122,000. That's a simulation of someday in the future, hopefully sooner rather than later. But we're getting there. Carved out from the NBC Sports YouTube page. We've got our own area of the cyberspace and we ask you to check out our clips there not just this show chris sims unbuttoned and all of the other nfl on nbc sports offerings so check that out i still love i love watching i love talking over it i feel like i have oh you're like, so professional I feel, I feel legit yeah I feel you do like i know what i'm doing right you're like they, the they've NBC yet to News. figure out i don't know shit so it's always good to we hadn't said that in a while yeah either. well it's that funny. just ended the professionalism right there boom we, we we backed off a little bit because we actually got to see for three days last week two for you matt casey's physical reaction oh my god to our, our right. decision to do it when you actually can see the guy who runs the show make a face like calvin and hobbs remember when calvin i don't know if you're up on that I don't, it's, it's been retired for years, but the little boy with the stuffed tiger that comes to life whenever no one's around. Right. He no would little, do this yeah. thing from time to time where he would he'd make this horrible face and his mom would say, hey, you know, if you do that, it's going to freeze that way. Like we were always told we were kids. And of course, he loved it. So he would walk around with that face, hoping that it would eventually freeze that way. That's the kind of face that. That was a long story, but hopefully there was a payoff there. Yeah, That's we got it. The we kind of it. face that Matt Casey was making. <laughs> By the way, I don't see a spot in here to talk about Hard Knocks. I actually watched Hard Knocks. I, Let me tell you why I watched Hard Knocks. Yeah, tell me. I watched it because it's a good show to generate some viral clips. Right. And there were some good viral clips. The problem is the only thing that's good about it is the viral clips. I was all excited. I made time last night between 11 and 12 to watch the show, and it's like – it wasn't very good. The, wow. the viral clips were great. I didn't get much. I, I never do because we know how it goes. We've seen the sausage get made for 20 years. It's, there's nothing new about it for me. I say that every year. But it really wasn't very good. I'm sorry, HBO and NFL Films. The clips were great. The Billy Jean moment was great. It was. Dan Campbell in small doses is great. The whole show, I was like, yeah, it, it, it didn't do much for me. All right, well, it's the first one. Maybe that's just a little bit of a buildup. They're setting the scene. I mean, 
Uh, I didn't see it. I actually, I, I, I can't believe, I forgot about it. And then about, because it was here on the, the East Coast or on HBO, it was on from 10 to 11. And like 10.45, I was like, oh man, wait, Hard Knocks is on. And I turned it on and they were just leaving the show altogether. So I'll catch it on one of the reruns here. Uh, but I do want to see it. And, you know, you're a jerk for saying it's a bad show to start off. How dare you? Well, you're just saying Listen, that because they're in your division and they're here to dethrone the Vikings. They're going to dethrone you as the most. That would, that would, assume, that well, would assume the Vikings well, are they're going to make you the, the most disappointing team in the division. So you're a little now, worried about that. I think the Bears, think the Bears <laughs> got my back on that, that one. <laughs> um, I, I will say this, though. Yeah. Even though I'm the old man and that I am your elder by 15 years. Right. You really are old school when it comes to TV. You understand that if you have HBO, you I have know. an app where you can watch anything you want anytime I, you want. I know. You don't have to wait for a rerun. Right. I, know. I, I, that, I am old school. I am. I literally was just flipping through the channels last night, you know, and, and then I got to, you know, Man of Steel. And hadn't seen that Superman that in a while. And like my little boy and my wife sat down and it'd been a long time. We were like, damn, this movie was kind of good. And I got, I got lost in that, but I know I have HBO max and Apple TV and all that to do it. But, uh, if I don't catch it, I will catch it towards the nighttime on, you know, live TV. But, but if I don't, you know, in the next two or three days, then I'll put the app on and, and do it that way. But yeah, I don't like this new current format of TV watching. And like I've told you, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what's on what anymore. What's a good movie. What's a show. And, uh, it, it really like confuses my brain. I'm a simple guy, man. Once you figure that out and you're able to watch whatever you want, whenever you want, that kind of makes the clouds part. I guess the world gets easier. And by the way, I'm glad you mentioned that you watched Man of Steel last night because now I understand why it looks like you put a couple curlers in the front of your hair today. You went for the <laughs> Superman hairdo. I didn't, I didn't put anything in my hair today. I just said the hell with it. I just gave it the old dry of the towel and threw my fingers through it. I just wanted to... I don't know. I didn't feel like being, you know, Don Draper here from Mad Men. And, you, you, you got something going on in front that I that I haven't seen well recently, if ever. I'm curly. I have curlier hair than I think people realize. And then I think when I'm not slicking it and doing it, you can see the greenness a little bit now, right? You probably can see it a little bit more uh, since I've been in my pool for the majority of the summer. Have we got there yet? Did you actually go in again? Did we do anything? Has anyone not yet. dunked you like? I'm gonna I'm gonna get a hold of your son and tell him to throw you in the pool or dunk you and, and manhandle you a little bit. He'd probably like that and I think the rest of the world would probably like it. So uh, I think we gotta get that done because, you know, it's it's just ridiculous that you don't go in there. It's it I enjoy looking at it. Apparently, I know. You send pictures every now and then, you know, with the fire going and the pool in the back and all that, and I'm like, Wow, it's so beautiful and awesome, but I don't want to disrupt the scene by jumping in. By the way, I think I need to go get I think I need to go get a bigger swimsuit. One thing I'm learning because for some reason and maybe I should go back to the doctor, I'm losing weight. The weenie bikini's and, getting too and, tight and on my, you. My, 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 <laughs> no, no, it's it's I'm afraid it's going to fall off. I I my I was walking up here today and my shorts were coming down. Damn. And I got the string pulled as tight as I can. Get some so get I think onto I, the squat better, rack. Come on, let's I go. Better, get uh, some get some ass and legs. You can't be my friend and as much as we talk about butts and legs and then you have some you know, little chicken legs over there. Let's go get it. Get after I, it a little bit. You're always worried about I go, your. I go the other way. You're trying to give you less body mass for you to to like latch those giant meat hooks onto. That's what I'm trying to do. Um, all right, let's get to it. Let's do it. Yesterday, 
a momentous day in the National Football League because teams are rarely for sale. And when they are, they sell for a whole lot of money. How about $4.65 billion? It became official yesterday when the owners, gathering in Minnesota for some reason, I guess it's equidistant, I don't know. They throw a dart at the map, I don't know. But in Bloomington, Minnesota, the owners got together and they voted unanimously. Even Mike Brown voted yes. That's how much they like Walmart, Rob Walton, Greg Penner, his son-in-law. They voted unanimously to approve the purchase of the Broncos by the richest owner now. By far, $70 billion net worth. Take that, David Tepper, and your $17 billion. Rob Walton's got $70 billion. Got 17 Here he is, couch cushions. Talking about purchasing the Denver Broncos. The Broncos are the one, one sports franchise that we would have considered uh, buying. And it's just, uh, well, Greg, actually, as he mentioned, started uh, conversations uh, 10 years, some 10 years ago about it. Uh, then things, uh, the team actually announced uh, it was for sale uh, early this year, and we uh, we got in the middle of it first thing. We'd been talking about it, and uh, we have connections. They, Greg and Kerry live in Colorado. I've been going to Colorado. I have a home there for a long, long time, other family members there. So great connection for us. We're really excited about it, and it's just a terrific team, terrific fan base. Now, I don't know that I buy the idea that it's the only sports franchise they would have purchased, but he said something very telling there, that his son-in-law, Greg Penner, who is the current CEO of Walmart, Rob Walton is the former CEO of Walmart, Penner started this 10 years ago. Why 10 years ago? Because what happened was, and everybody has seen this coming, I'm surprised it took as long as it did, the late Pat Boland put the team in trust and... For a while, we were led to believe that eventually yeah. the three trustees were going to pick one of the seven kids, just like this Willy Wonka competition. Like one of the seven kids were going to prove to be properly suited and capable and ready to own the team and run the team. And it was going to be one of those seven. And then as they started to fight among themselves, it became clear, you know, all seven have to be on board with this or it doesn't happen. And it became obvious that they were never going to get all seven to agree. That's when they shifted to let's just sell it mode. And, hey, they made a lot more holding it for 10 years than if they'd sold it 10 years ago. That's for sure. Definitely. That thing goes for maybe one, five, 10 years ago. It's going for four, six, five now. So well done that they held it together for a decade and a lot more money coming out of the Walmart coffers than would have been. And they, they get supposedly the only sports team they would have purchased. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's, uh, it's unfortunate that the Boland family couldn't figure that out. I think they would have bought the Cowboys if the Cowboys. Well, that, yeah, I mean, of course they're in Arkansas, they would have bought the Cowboys. But yeah. The Cowboys you're probably Arkansas. right. That, that for sure. Sh- that's for sure. Uh, I would say that would be one team that would probably be on their list as well. When you look at their family, family history, uh, it's a, it's a shame that the Boland family couldn't figure it out you know I, I got the chance to know some of them when my you know through my years being out there um but but at the same time I do think this is a good thing for the NFL this type of power player this type of money and I mean it, it is uh it has a common link and I always like that at least when I hear you know a, a guy a new ownership group yeah you know, oh we live in Colorado we've had our hand you know our eye on this you know it's not just some rich guy that just wants to throw money and have a toy I do. It does seem like just from that that there's like a, a vested interest. They have a respect for that region of the country. 
You know, they're, they, I'm sure, you know, Mr. Walton there has, yes, a, a house in Aspen or in the mountains or somewhere else, as he was alluding to there. But uh, it is a great fan base with incredible potential there. You know, Mike, that's the one thing that I know when, when I was there uh, my one year and then, you know, I've been there a bunch of other times. It, football is king. It really is. And even when they're not a really good team, it's, they still are one of those teams where you go, well, the stadium's pretty full no matter what. Training camp practices didn't matter. End of July, early August. If the public was allowed in, it was packed. Packed to the point where I would be afraid, whoa, if I miss this out route to Brandon Marshall here, little Johnny over there might get a concussion. So it was like pressure like that. But uh, it's cool to see. And it is, one of the, I think, one of the better franchises in all of football. And it's good to see how that a family really wants to make it work and, and put something behind it to make it work. Mark Davis, the Raiders owner, was asked yesterday by one of the reporters covering the meetings as to whether or not the arrival of the Waltons makes the Broncos a better team. And and, and Davis basically said, hey, you know, the Bolins were great owners, and it's not like the Broncos have been a consistent powerhouse. They have won three Super Bowl championships. Yeah. But I, I really do believe that if you have solid, stable ownership – that knows how to hire good people and get the hell out of the way, you're ahead of the curve. And if you have a presence, now we'll be very interested to see how involved Rob Walton is or Greg Penner, who I think is still actively the CEO of Walmart, so kind of occupied otherwise. Is Rob Walton going to be showing up in the facility on a regular basis? But even if that isn't the case, and I always prefer it when ownership is there, are they empowering good people that they didn't hire? Right. That's right. where it gets a little awkward. Sure. They walk through the door and they don't know these people. Rob Walton doesn't know who George Payton is. Rob Walton doesn't know who Nathaniel Hackett is. Rob Walton doesn't know who Patrick Smythe is, who's been basically an, an expert at providing the conduit between the team and the media. Yeah, he's I mean, great, Patrick. You know, yeah, and, and so he's learning everything. He's learning how to right. pronounce names. He doesn't know how to pronounce Roger Goodell. I thought that was amazing. And, and I, I want to do a full psychological study on that one. I don't know if we have the clip, but it took me back to 2006, August of 2006, when they were figuring out who was going to replace Paul Tagliabue as the NFL's commissioner. We see this Roger Goodell, like nobody knew who he was. Nobody knew how to pronounce his name. I I said the same thing, Goodell. And yesterday, Rob Walton, in the moment where he's being introduced as the owner of the Broncos, after he had just been in a meeting with the commissioner of the NFL, the guy whose name is on every football, for a team that they've been thinking about buying for a decade, and he mispronounced his name not once but twice. So is he oblivious to how the name is properly pronounced? Or was this the ultimate walking through the door power play by 70 billionaire Rob Walton that I got so much juice and cash that I don't need to pronounce the commissioner's name well appropriately I'm gonna do it however I want I I, I don't you know I, I don't think it was intentional and you know, I saw the clip too. I- you know, I hope it was. I, I, I mean, I hope it wasn't either. I, I don't think it was. I, but well, I, I do said think I hope it was. I think you, know, you hope it was. I, I think it was. It's one of those two, though. You know, hey, he's probably a little nervous. 
You know, I, I maybe maybe not that kind of football fan. I mean, nervous, really, nervous. You give me seventy billion, and I'm not nervous about well, a damn thing. Well, public speaking is never easy, so maybe he was a little nervous about that. It does sound like he was pushed with this from other members of the family. I just I'll say that too. That yeah, he's there and he's going to be the front man or whatever, but. It seems like this was like, hey, come on, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And he was finally, okay, I'll do it. Let's do it. Daddy, daddy, I want the Broncos. I bought you a horse. No, I don't want a horse. I want the Broncos. Well, yeah. So he did it maybe for the the, the better better of his family and that they wanted to get involved and and have the action of the NFL. And when you have $70 I think to your point, though, sometimes, uh, yeah. You're just you're the man, and you don't care about little details about what what's his name, huh? I don't know. I just I just wrote a check for four point six five billion. It doesn't matter if I can't say his name, does it? But I do want to say this. I I you know you brought up the money and like the seventy billion, and I know we've talked about this you know before, and it does seem like like I'm pumped that they've had their eye on it and that they live there. I think that's when teams really you know can make something special when the owner's there and you know, kind of can feel the DNA or the fabric of the city and understand that a little bit. But money, and something I learned really ever since I got out of playing football, the cash on hand, you know, I've learned this from my friends, coach friends in the NFL. It's just a little bit more of a, uh, what do I want to say, an issue or a non-issue for a guy like uh, Mr. Walton here, where, uh, you know, there is a competitive balance there. And we've talked about this before where the ability for, you know, now the Broncos to write <clears throat> write out a signing bonus <clears throat> that, excuse me, for $50 million. It, it's just and they're the not. Che- and, and you can't it, dribble the check to the basket is what that, you're saying. Yeah, exactly. They're just the, the, so they're going to be able to get whatever asset they want. And a lot of the times with players, oh, wait, contract is equal and ooh, years and numbers. But whoa, they're going to give me this right off the bat. It's in my pocket no matter what. And the guarantees a little higher, even though the other team might have had a, you know, uh, a higher, you know, per year average or whatever else. The cash in hand wins more times than not. And we've seen that. You know, I always bring that up with, you know, the, the Khalil Mack thing. Khalil Mack, one of the real reasons I think he didn't, you know, end up with the Raiders is the Raiders couldn't write him one of those big checks right off the bat. So there is a, an advantage to be had when you have an owner like Kroenke or Walton to where they can make the star players perk up and go, oh, hey, I got it right here, right now. We don't got to wait two, three years. They can get it into your bank account. You can start collecting interest or putting it in a hedge fund or whatever else, and I think there is an advantage to, to that kind of a power player in the NFL. Two, two points, two points. What's with this Mr. Walton shit? I don't You've know said either. it twice now. I don't know why. I, I, I are it. you trying to swap I, out your Lowe's commercial for a Walmart commercial? Sure, the game? You're sure. You're playing here, Superman? Damn guy's got $70 million, billion. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Let me do it. I got it. In fact, I'll leave you right now, Mr. Walton. If you want me to teach you the ways of the NFL a little bit, I will. Oh, you're looking for a job. I'll come in and work right now. Right now. Senior <laughs> vice president right. in charge of... Uh, I don't know what. I don't know Whatever what you either. you want to pay me to do, I'll <laughs> yeah, do it. That exactly. would be a good title. It'd be difficult to fit it onto a business card, but you just get bigger business cards. Um, you, you, you make a great point, though, and we've talked about this recently as it relates to the fully guaranteed Deshaun Watson contract. Some teams can't put 
those mega millions in escrow. Right. The Cardinals, it was believed, weren't going to go close to the $230 million fully guaranteed because Michael Bidwell either can't or won't put $170 million in escrow. If you're going to do a $230 million fully guaranteed contract, the way that the Browns have to handle this, I was told back at the time it was done, by next March 31st, $170 million needs to be put in escrow. Some teams can do it. Some teams can't. And Russell Wilson, he's the big winner yesterday, baby. Oh, no doubt. Because he's getting a fully guaranteed contract. I don't know if he gets a percentage of the cap. He gets a fully guaranteed contract. And that's going to be the thing that distinguishes the Broncos from the Raiders. So they asked Mark Davis about the Waltons. He can say whatever he wants. Deep down, if he understands his business, he's thinking. I think he does. Oh, great. Yeah. Now it's harder for me. I'm going to have to spend more dollars and chew up more cap space to get the same guy because the same guy for the same total dollars that hit the cap, they get all their money now, and I can't give them the money now. Exactly. i got to space it out over three That's years. That's another point I, can't, I didn't I can't, explain. Like the Buccaneers, I can't write a signing bonus check in the offseason. Right. i got to wait till the TV money's coming in the door. Sorry. And here comes here comes Rob Walton like the slot machine that just paid off and the money's going everywhere. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a very real you know, aspect there that I left out of my explanation is that the, the salary cap part of it and how it's set up with the guaranteed money and the signing bonus and how, you know, yes, that, that gets, you know, what do I want to say, lessens the average per year that, that counts against the salary cap, which is another great advantage and a great point by you. Um, so yeah, it's, it's exciting to see. And I think this is just going to, what I think is great. I mean, the NFL is of course exploding and I think it's finally exploding on the world stage because of, you know, the phone and social media and people are really all across the world starting to like go, Whoa, this is a cool sport. And yeah, I mean, it's fun. They're out there, you know, hitting each other and killing each other. And this guy's fast as hell. And this guy can throw lasers. But I think the, you know, enough people around the world are starting to understand like, wow, this game has more, you know, schematics and thinking and, you know, how am I going to attack this than most sports in the world? You know, it's a tactical sport, you know, and I think it's more than, you know, at first when people watch it, I think they think, oh, it's just a bunch of guys running around, hit each other. And then you start to realize, whoa, you know, there's a lot that goes into this. And I think it opens the box for the Jeff Bezos and who knows, Elon Musk's of the world or whatever now to where maybe they're going to want to get involved in the NFL. And I think ultimately that's I don't want Elon Musk on an NFL team and putting cyborgs out there. Well, I don't, I don't want to go that far. I don't want him to do that either. First off, Tesla's a great car, but their customer service and their customer service center <laughs> sucks. So he needs to figure <laughs> that goes, out first, okay? Well, well, yeah. You may get a Walmart commercial. Yeah, Tesla I ain't going. Tesla yeah, nope, I'm not. The hell with that. He needs to, he needs to figure that out. It's, a, it's horrible for what I pay for that car. <laughs> uh, by the way, the ownership group in Denver now also includes Condoleezza Rice and F1 driver Lewis Hamilton. It's kind of what Stephen Ross did back when he bought the Dolphins. A little sliver to some recognizable names. Good right? job. Ho- hopefully that's the only thing that Rob Walton will have in common with, with Stephen Ross. <laughs> don't otherwise throw out the playbook, Rob. Don't don't take any advice. Well, not that, not that Rob Walton had to even encounter Stephen Ross yesterday. He wasn't allowed to. He wasn't allowed to be there. Yeah, that's right. He'd been a been a been a bad boy. Yeah, let's feel bad for Stephen Ross, Pete. I'm sorry he wasn't there because of his own misconduct, and he's lucky that he got what he did. It should have been worse. He got away with tampering, or no, he got nailed for tampering. He got away with tanking, and he didn't get nailed for tampering the way that he should have. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. All right, speaking of guys who are about to be punished significantly, Roger Goodell, or Goodell as the case may be, <laughs> speaking to reporters yesterday after this league meeting, always speak. Look, he's, he, he doesn't do a lot of media, but I got to give it to him. He always will be available to answer all questions whenever there's a league meeting in this special, unscheduled, unnecessary, but for banging the gavel and approving the sale of the Broncos resulted in Goodell meeting with reporters and taking questions about Deshaun Watson. Here's what Goodell had to say about the ongoing appeal of the six-game suspension. We go back to seeking the full-year suspension. Because we've seen the evidence, she was very clear about the evidence. Uh, she reinforced the evidence uh, that there was uh, multiple violations here, and they were egregious, and it was predatory behavior. That's, those are things that we felt, um, we always felt were really important for us to address in a way that's responsible. Does the league view it like four different violations of the personal conduct policy as opposed to one? I think that's the case. That's what the facts you know, that's rare. That's the good old gaggle, not even the press conference. I didn't realize it wasn't a press conference. That tells me they were going to try to slip one through the five hole and not have and him they talk. caught him in the lobby. And the reporters and the reporters yeah. are like, here we go. Right. And he knew it was going to be a bad look if he just like acts like he didn't see him and walks away. Right. He uh, wasn't going to. He wasn't playing. I'm, I, I, well, I give him credit. He had no choice. It would have been a bad look if there would have been tweets galore from the reporters who went up there with the sole purpose to try to ask him some questions if he gives him this stiff arm because, hey, come on, man, every league meeting you talk. So I think they were trying to make sure that he didn't, but at the end of the day, credit to the reporters for doggedly pursuing him and forcing him to answer some questions. And, and here's the bottom line. Yesterday I'm thinking 12 games, $10 million fine. Yeah. That's going to be the end result here. The NFL has been – acting like it wants a full season. So when it gets 12, it looks like it's being reasonable and fair and balanced and measured and the hell with all that. What are you They're thinking now? 17. Yeah. He ain't. Hey, hey, get a good look at Deshaun Watson in the preseason because we ain't going to see him. But we'll say, tell him, tell him what you said on text when you first, you know, read the the the, the transcript of that press conference. Well, what you said? Well, I'm I'm not sure I can use the language. Well, I've you just well, I can he's... paraphrase for you, but you basically were like, you know, damn, I don't, I don't know. If he might get more than one year. You 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 were starting to think like, well, we we might not see him for for you know 2023. You were getting that was scared Pete. about. Oh, that was, that Pete. was Pete. Okay, I'm getting yeah. confused. Sorry, um, but but either way. With Roger Goodell, those are really strong statements. I, I just think, you know, to, to everything you've been saying and you've kind of been all over this, that uh, the, the, the league is they're, – they're all over this. They're going to make a statement. And the fact that he was willing to go that far right there before we've even heard from Peter Harvey or any final decisions been made, I think it just says where the league's head, head is at in this, in this conversation and that, 
You know, they're not going to go easy with this because it's, as we've talked about before, it's just, it's a bad look. It's a bad look and uh, people were mistreated. I think that's, that's the biggest thing for sure. And he lied and there's a lot of issues there and he broke a lot of league rules and I think they're going to make a, a big example of him. You could argue it would have been smart for Goodell to defer any comment because the appeal process is pending. Yeah. And I won't comment until this process is over because the union could now argue that he's, see, they can't. he's influencing they can't. it. Well, well, but if, if he were handling the appeal himself, he wouldn't have said anything because they would say he's prejudged it, et cetera. Yeah. But they, they've agreed to let him either handle the appeal personally or delegate it to his handpicked designee, and he has. And I'm sure whatever he's saying publicly, Peter Harvey has already heard privately. I know the league said Harvey's had no prior involvement in the Deshaun Watson situation before he was designated the task of handling the appeal. I choose not to believe that because I choose to apply common sense to the situation. When you have a guy who helped draft the policy, when you have a guy who has regularly advised the NFL on these matters, you're not going to wall him off when you're in the formative stages of crafting your approach because maybe he'll be the guy that I eventually designate to handle the appeal. So we have to keep Peter out. I mean, why would you? Why would you even think that? Of course, Peter Harvey's been privy to what the commissioner thinks. Of course, he knows what the commissioner wants. And oh, by the way, if he didn't before yesterday, he sure as hell does now, based upon what Roger Goodell had to say. So I, it's they, ha, they have the power. See, I don't know what the union's thinking here. Give me just 30 seconds yeah, to try to ahead. summarize this. They got caught up in the idea that they were able to convince Judge Robinson to only give six games, even though the facts were as bad as they were. And they thought maybe they could parlay that into some sort of a PR play that would get the NFL to say, well, we'll respect the decision of Judge Robinson. Look, they agreed to hand this power to the commissioner. They agreed two years ago, after everything that had happened in the prior decade, with Tom Brady and Ezekiel Elliott and the court cases that happened, arm's length collective bargaining, they agreed to craft this very procedure. They think that the new CBA gives them a better case in court. If they get there, I think it gives them a weaker case in court because if I'm the judge, I'm saying, hey, look, you're citing to me all these past cases and you sat down and you agreed to this procedure that deliberately gives the commissioner the ability to handle the appeal or to delegate it to anyone in the world that he chooses to do so, and it's final and it's binding and there's no deference of any kind given to the legal analysis engaged in by the the disciplinary officer? You agreed to this. Why are you taking up my time? I think it's it's dead on arrival if they try to take this thing to court. I, I would agree with you there. There's no doubt. There's a, I, it just doesn't, you know, I'm no lawyer. I'm, you know, not in the weeds with some of this stuff, but I, I, I just, I, I don't feel like we've ever seen anybody win in this instance, taking the NFL to court. I mean, you're right. It, it's there. The, the laws of, of the land have already been written as far as the NFL between the NFL and the NFLPA. And uh, I'm, I'm with you. And, and I would think just with those strong statements, and like you said, Peter Harvey working with the NFL before, there's no way you could be so insulated that you don't have a clue about what's been going on with the Deshaun Watson case, whether you're just a casual football fan or not even a football fan. Yeah, I feel like this is, this is something that everybody knows about at this point because it's crossed over the line of football. And that's where I think the NFL knows that. 
It's crossed the line of football here. This is like world country issue. And that's, you know, makes it even a worse look. And I think for those reasons, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, you know. Maybe 12 I th- I games, think- but I, I, I'm with you in the fact that I think it's going to be 17. I think what's happened here is lawyers connected to the union have gotten in the ears of certain reporters and they make their case and they make it persuasively because they're lawyers and they're good about making their case. And if you're not a lawyer who can push back or point out the flaws in the argument, you're just kind of like, wow, that sounds pretty good. I'll just go. I'll run with that. You sound very convinced. You make a good argument. I'll run with that. And I, I just I, I think that that it's a lot of wishful thinking. And they, they are doing a good job of working the PR side of it to get some arguments out there and to kind of create yeah. the sense that – because people are still saying, why didn't you respect the decision of Judge Robinson? Well, because it's, it says it on paper. You, you, the NFL can appeal it. I mean, either side can appeal. It's what Goodell said yesterday. Either side can appeal it. They, they exercise their right to appeal, period. And they appeal it to Goodell or his designee, period. The union agreed to that. They didn't have to agree to that. They didn't have to. They could have said, no way. We're never agreeing to this. We'll go on strike if we have to. I mean, they wouldn't have. No. But they could have. Yeah. And the NFL had the stronger will here. The NFL said, this is what we want. The NFL got it, and they agreed to it. This This isn't a parent negotiating with a child. This is two adults, and they made their agreement. And and they gotta live with it now. It'll never the union change. Has to live with it now. It'll never okay. change. You know, we 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 hit on this yesterday, right? That that was we we talked about this a little bit. It's just you know, the NFL players, their careers don't last long enough to strike. You know, the the only guys that can afford to strike and maybe miss some time are the guys that have made significant money and been around the NFL a little while to go. Okay, I can sit back for. You know, eight weeks, a year. If Even then, that's a lot of, you get up is. a lot of money. It's a ton of you're money. That exactly tax right. Bracket. And you're right. Yeah. And then when you know, like, wait, it doesn't matter. I'm, uh, whoa, okay, wait, I only have a few more years no matter what to play football. And that's why, you know, the union and the NFL is just not as strong as baseball or basketball for that matter. And I don't think, I don't ever see the owner or the owners of the NFL giving up this right. They're always going to have final say to protect the shield. And uh, that's what they're going to do in this case. For as much as the world has changed in the last 35 years, the strike of 87 continues to resonate. The league knows that when push comes to shove, guys are not staying away. Guys are not forfeiting their limited window of time when they are young enough and healthy enough to play football. They're not going to give it up for some vague interests for future players that they're not going to be exactly the beneficiaries of they're just not going to do it no. and the and the league and it's surprising to me chris that the league doesn't push it even harder they probably could because they could yeah they could you're right they probably could but there's a line there where they probably go wait now we look like we're like real jerks and we're taking advantage of people but hey go back to that. About that yeah i know well it does have some optics that i think they got to worry about a little bit uh, I do, but but at the same time, I think that you know you bring up '87, and I, I mean that that is that's the perfect example. The best player in football crossed the line and said, "I need the money. I gotta play." Right? And I know people uh, out there. Whoa, they're NFL. I, I always hear that. Oh, they're NFL football players. How much money do they need? All right, when you've come from nothing and you're on a rookie contract. And you make, okay, over, let's say you've made $10 million, like we've discussed this before, $5 million, boom, gone. You have nothing. we got to remember, these are people that have nothing more times than not. And then, whoa, it's $5 million. Wait, let me get myself a house. Whoa, my mom, let me improve her life, get her a house. Oh, okay, I got myself a car. Let me get my mom a car. 
Okay, well, oh man, I got an aunt and an uncle who also got nothing and I'm trying to help them out. And more times than not, listen, I've seen this. My own father, I mean, he came from a family of eight in Kentucky and he was always doing that. So now, you know, the, the world likes to judge the athlete and go, well, they made all this money. Well, they've come from nothing and now they made their, their lives, you know, their family a little bit more comfortable and better, but they got to still keep making money. They've lost all their money, not lost it, but they spent it all already on good things to improve their life. And like we were talking about, it's a short period of time. And that's where, you know, it is rough. And that's where the NFL is just an absolute brutal business as a player. You know, we know what we signed on for, but, but it doesn't make it not brutal. That's for sure. Back to the Browns, Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the team, along with his wife, Dee, said yesterday that the Browns will respect and honor the Deshaun Watson appeal process. I don't know that they're going to be happy with the outcome. Now, last week they were trying to get the league to respect the decision of Judge Robinson. My guess is there was probably a fairly pointed communication from 345 Park Avenue to Berea, Ohio, about that because I already got enough to worry about, Jimmy, with the union trying to shame me into accepting this. I don't need one of my members trying to play this same game with me. I understand you want your new investment available, but you understand that there's a greater good here that we're trying to deal with. So please back off with that crap. And now we have respect and honor, and we'll we'll see what they have to say when Peter Harvey issues his decision. We'll see if they respect it and honor it. Meanwhile, the Browns play the Jaguars in Jacksonville on Friday. Here's Kevin Stefanski, coach of the Browns from yesterday, talking about his plans at the quarterback position because Deshaun Watson reported this last week. They plan to use him in the preseason. He's free and clear. What's Stefanski going to do? Let's hear it. We have a framework, uh, Jake, of of how we're going to handle this preseason. As you know, you always reserve the right to change your mind based on you know, uh, how practice goes and those type of things. But uh, we, we're pretty confident in, in the plan we have. Will Watson make the trip? Yes. I'm really comfortable in what Jacoby's done to date with his reps. Uh, he's gotten a lot of them. He's gotten some with the ones, some with the twos. Um, and, and we'll stick to our plan uh, absent any new information. Here is one area of new information. Yeah. It could be a factor. Hmm. There's one way this goes where Deshaun Watson isn't making the trip and can't play in the game. If Peter Harvey today or tomorrow issues his ruling and gives the league this indefinite banishment minimum one year, I think he's gone at that point. You know, if it's just a six game or a 12 game, he stays through the preseason. The suspension begins as of the conclusion of the final preseason game or at least the preparation for week one. At some point, he's got to go, but he can stay for now. Right. If they do this... This changes on this? This is interesting. Out, I don't know if, if I knew if, this. If, yeah. if, if, it, if the end result is banishment for one year, calendar year, not a number of games, mm. but if it is you are out of here for one year and then you have to apply for reinstatement, you know, the the ultimate substance abuse policy punishment that doesn't happen as much anymore because they've changed the policy. But you had guys in recent years like Martavis Bryant and Josh Gordon and others, Justin Blackman. You get that minimum one year that you're gone, and then you have to ask back in. If that happens in the next two days, there's a good chance that he is told by the league, you have to go. Now, look. That that that's the kind of thing that could spark an immediate effort to go to court and get, and it would be weird. Okay, we we want to get him back in the facility 
until a suspension begins week one because we didn't we didn't appeal the six game suspension. So I don't know that they would go through that fight for something that boils down to a couple of weeks. But when you think about what Roger Goodell said yesterday, do you really think the NFL wants to see no on its brand new NFL now? Right. Eighty bucks a year. Right. Nine ninety nine a month, whatever it is, all right. the preseason games. You really think they want people dialing up and saying, hey, there's Deshaun Watson. I thought they weren't letting him play. I thought he was suspended. Why is Deshaun Watson playing? Well, this is, this is an interesting development. Well, a very interesting development today or tomorrow would be, hey, Deshaun, you're gone for a full year. Bye-bye. Don't show up in the preseason. We'll, we'll talk about this next August. I just want to put that on everyone's radar yeah, screen. I'm not saying it's going to happen, yeah. but it needs to be paid attention to. I, I, Mike, I, I never really – I did not think of that aspect of it. I, I thought, you know, even if he got the year suspension and, and all that, that he would still be able to continue. And that would be, whoa, quite the development. And, and for a lot of reasons, because, you know, I, first off, Kevin Stefanski, who's handled this with, with as much class as he possibly can, and I think he's a pretty smart guy and well thought out, and I'm sure they do have a plan here, all right? They're, they're stuck in a spot as far as those coaches are concerned. But I was just getting ready to say off of that, you know, year suspension, they, they, gotta, they have this balance that they got to figure out a little bit here. Where, like, first off, I agree with you. I don't think the NFL wants this, wants him being seen on TV associated with the NFL right now. And, and, and I, you know, when you lay it out like that, I wouldn't be shocked to see it go that way. You know, we, we, you know I think I brought that up a few times when we were talking about the suspension last week where, yeah, I don't think the NFL wants that guy on the TV for four hours, the best player on the team, and all that stuff that goes along with it there's just no way the NFL owners of the shield is going to like that look. And even though it's preseason, I still don't think they're going to like that look for all the things we talked about. This is a world country matter. This crosses the line of, you know, just football stuff here. So that's not a good look. Here's the football aspect that really would scare the crap out of me. If I'm Jimmy Haslam or even Kevin Stefanski, if, you know, he's lucky enough to continue to be successful there and, and, and coach the Cleveland Browns for the next few years. If this comes down the way you say it comes down, holy crap, will that be the – it'll be the worst $230 million contract, and I would really be worried about we're going to go two years without this guy playing any football, and then he's going to come back next year? You know, that's where they have this balance right now as it lays out where we think, oh, hey, he'll be able to play preseason and do that. He needs to play in the preseason. You know, they need to get Jacoby Brissett ready. We know that. But to protect their investment and to get what they want out of this guy, man, you do want to get him to play and get the cobwebs off a little bit. I don't care who you are. We've heard Peyton Manning when he was hurt talk about it. A lot of guys. Tom Brady didn't look like Tom Brady in 2009 when he came back from the knee injury. It takes a while. It's a sport that is it you just can't practice it if you heard me say before. It's it, especially the quarterback position. And that would like really change my thought of Deshaun Watson and what he could be, you know, a year from now or whatever and that just makes the contract even crazier. But to go 2 years without playing, whoa, that's a game changer in my opinion. I don't care how good you are or how talented you are. There's one very thin silver lining to the possibility of a one-year suspension of Deshaun Watson. If that happens, the contract in its entirety gets delayed by a year. So next year, 
his salary would be the minimum yeah. of 1.035 or whatever it becomes under the CBA if it changes. Not 46. Right. They've already given him the $46, $45 million signing bonus. It gets kicked for a year. The salary gets delayed for a year. The contract gets delayed for a year. He's under contract through 2027 instead of 2026 if he's suspended for a full year. Now, on the back end, the Browns could do whatever they wanted to do because there's also a question if he gets suspended 12 games, does it toll his contract for a full year? The Browns can still rip up the current deal and replace it, but it would be a bad look. If he gets suspended for a full year and the Browns swoop in and give him a bunch of new money after he didn't play for a full year because of his own misconduct, that would be a a weird look, weirder than loading up a signing bonus so he's got a minimal salary so a six-game suspension would cost him a lot less. I think they'll get a lot of scrutiny if they try to rectify this and give him more money on the back end. But if he's suspended for a full year, it really is a suspension. It's exactly what it needs to be. His career is suspended for a year, and he picks it up next year where he would have been this year. D- does that affect cap space for this year, Mike? I mean, I mean, I guess. Right. I think he just got, he exits the books. He ex- where it really affects it is next year because you don't have the forty-six million dollar salary for that year that would otherwise hit the books. Now they probably would have prorated it, converted a lot of it to a guarantee, dropped the cap number, and kicked the can. They don't have to worry about that. They. They carry nothing for him this year. I don't know if they carry the prorated portion of the signing bonus if he gets suspended for the whole year because it's only an extra million in right, salary. So right. it's not like it's that much. No, I know. But I just, I, my understanding is he's just off the books for a year yeah. and he comes back next year. I just, I, I, I wonder, and, you know, Pete put this in my ear, just I wonder if that affects their thought with the Jimmy Garoppolo situation or, or anything like that, you know, whether it's a, 12 games or a you know a full 17 game you know year long suspension i wonder if it changes their outlook on how maybe they would want to play this if if one happened or the other wouldn't it be something i cuz think about it if if it does happen today or tomorrow if peter harvey makes a decision aimed at preventing deshaun watson from playing in the preseason and the browns find out today that watson is gone and he's not coming back for a calendar year minimum that does change your thought on Jimmy Garoppolo. How does it not? And wouldn't it be something if they end up giving up more to get Garoppolo than they got for Baker Mayfield? All because of how they so badly mishandled that relationship that they couldn't have just kept Mayfield around the way the 49ers are keeping Garoppolo around. They at least like each other enough that they can coexist. And as I've said this week, not to jinx Trey Lance, if Lance gets injured, they you got Jimmy Garoppolo. He's still on the team. But... I th- I think Garoppolo makes a ton of sense then. I don't know that I entrust the full season to Jacoby Brissett. I'm more comfortable doing that with Garoppolo. So I think you're on to something. Yeah, I, I, I hear you there. I mean, I do. You know, again, I'm, I certainly think Jimmy Garoppolo is a better player than Jacoby Brissett. You know, Jacoby Brissett, I do look at it as one of the, the better backups in football. Um, but, you know, the, the, the Jimmy Garoppolo, hey, we, we've seen. I mean, again, I know he's not my favorite, and I don't think he's a superstar by any stretch of the imagination. But I do think he'd be – Oh, a pretty damn good option for a team that I I think you and I both agree has got a lot of pieces to to make a run and and be a difference maker. Now it'd be hard, you know the the de- the deck is stacked against them a little bit and trying to learn a new offense and go through all of that. But 
again, I don't think this is a team that needs to reinvent the wheel. We discussed this, I think, yesterday a little. Uh, they can play simple football. Hey, hey, run the ball, Chubb, Kareem Hunt. We got a dominant offensive line. You know, Stefanski, play action pass, blah, blah, blah. They don't need to be crazy here to where, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be a huge learning curve for Jimmy Garoppolo. And it's it's not that crazy different of a language of a system from what he's coming from. So that's something I would definitely, I'll definitely have my eye on. It's a win-win, too, because he needs one year, they need someone for one year, and then he becomes a free agent right. next year, right. and off he goes. One more item of business from yesterday. I mentioned Stephen Ross earlier. He wasn't at the meeting because he's suspended through week six, six of the regular season. However, Roger Goodell asked about the Dolphins situation. Here he is talking about the punishment that was imposed eight days ago on Stephen Ross for tampering but not for tanking. The integrity of the game is critically important. Um, I think the findings were very clear on the champing charges. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, while tanking clearly did not happen here, I think we all have to understand that our words and our actions uh, have implications that can be interpreted. We have to be careful. They are never going to find a team guilty of tanking, ever, ever. The implications are too significant for the league, for the teams. You're talking about lawsuits, you're talking about perp walks, if anyone ever admits to deliberately losing games in an age and era of ever-expanding legalized gambling. However, however, the only reason tanking didn't happen is because Brian Flores didn't go along he with saved them. saved him, right. He saved Stephen Ross's ass. Now, he also blew the whistle, but he saved him by getting him to back off of of all a billionaire should have to say, gee, I, I think it's probably better for this team to have a higher draft position next year than to worry about whether we win four, five, or six games this year. He did everything he could to put the tank in motion. The league will never acknowledge that. The league will never punish anyone for it. And see, that's the thing, Chris. Whenever a tank actually happens, the coach goes along with it. Now, is it possible after the fact the coach tries to blow the whistle? Well, Hugh Jackson kind of tried to do it. But see, because he signed a release when he got his buyout, uh, buyout after he was fired, and then he tried to file a grievance over the damage it did to his reputation to be part of this four-year plan where they baked the tanking into the various factors that they used to incentivize behaviors that weren't conducive to winning that got shut down that got thrown out sorry Hugh sorry we're not going to consider your argument based upon your position that there was tanking going on here because you signed away your rights oh by the way the guy who made that decision was Peter Harvey yeah well you know that's that's right uh the I, I forgot about that that Peter Harvey was involved in that but I mean the NFL got lucky they're never going to catch anybody no, I they're never going to catch even Ross got lucky I will say this too, but well, where do we draw the line here in this business of, you know, at some point you're going to have teams that are, wait, we're three and 10 and we want to play. We do want to play some of the young guys. Yeah. Maybe we're not sure if we're going to win, you know, but I, we're, we probably won't because I'm going to play maybe some of the lesser guys, but it's to develop them. That, see, to me, that's where this is going to be interesting as we go along, and that to me is where we got to shift the the you know responsibility to the gambler a little bit uh, too. I mean, listen, you're gambling. There's a reason that's called gambling. So if you're betting money on that, you know you're just stupid. I don't know what else to tell you. 
So that so like that's where I just wonder where the fine line is there because I do think there's teams that are like that. It's not like they want to lose. They're going to coach hard. They're going to do things to put these lesser guys in good positions, but it's more about development and they're willing to take the L for maybe a few more Ws the next year. And to me, that's not tanking. And that's where I think this can get very interesting. And that's where I think there's got to be a little responsibility on the gambler a little bit. Like the guy who gambles in preseason football. I just go, well, you're just an absolute, you're an addict. You're an idiot. If you think you really know what's going to go on here tonight. I mean, I had friends last week texting me, what do you think about the Raiders Jags? And I want to go, I think you have a problem. That's what I think. That you have a problem. Because I know all these coaches and all these people, and I have no clue what the hell's going to happen here. And I know you at home, who hasn't paid attention to football, now has absolutely no clue. And that's where I think it can be an interesting conversation as we go forward here. I did say on Friday of last week that the 1-800 number that is used for anyone who has a gambling problem, and we do encourage anyone who may have a problem to take advantage of that 800 number, that if you make a bet on any preseason game, it should automatically connect you to that number. That, that I, I know. So I, I'm, I'm on the same page with that. But, but here's the problem. Yeah. The NFL sells this idea that in every instance, in every game, both teams are doing everything they can to try to win. That's all that matters. It's Adrian waking up from the coma. Win. Dong. Win. What are we waiting for? Take us. That every game is that. No matter the stakes, no matter the team, no matter whether you're, oh, but, but, you know, we, we, we're not making the playoffs this year. Because here, and here's the problem. On one hand, it's win, win, win. They're all trying to win. They're trying to win every game. Win, 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 win. Oh, by the way, the team that, loses the most games, gets the first pick in the draft. Our premier off-season jewel. And if you've got the first pick, hey, you're the you, you're you, talk you're, of the town. You're, 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 the, you're, you're the team. You're the team everybody's talking about. Hey, it's great to have that first pick, but don't try to get the first pick. It's great to have the first pick, but don't you try to get it. I tried to make the example the other day. It's kind of like the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden. Don't touch that apple, but somebody's going to carve the thing up and eat it. Somebody gets the apple handed to it. Don't you try to get it, but we're giving it to somebody. We don't like to talk about how we go about the process of figuring it out because we, we don't want to acknowledge that teams may choose not to win. But that's a problem, Chris. As long as they incentivize it indirectly, they can't act like they're surprised when teams realize. And I've said this for years. It's good business. Now, it may be bad football, and it yeah. may be bad for building a culture. Right. Sean Payton talked about that on this show earlier this year it's horrible for your culture to introduce that concept of losing but but hey if the Dolphins had gotten if they'd gotten Joe Burrow I I think Burrow's presence would have eradicated whatever funk was there that led to them consciously positioning themselves to get the first overall pick in the 2020 draft think of how different the Dolphins would be right now think of how different the Bengals would be right now sure if Burrow had been a Dolphin so as long as they have that temptation and as long as somebody is going to get to eat the apple it's impossible to reconcile that with all of our teams are always trying to win every single game that they play I know I know this is where it is tricky I I can say this I was involved in something like this in 2004 where the last game of the year I got yeah well I mean again I want to explain this don't don't to jump to conclusions I, I had I was 
I was I replaced Brad Johnson as a starting quarterback. <laughs> I got hurt, you know, then got healthy at the end of the year and Gruden, you know, Brian Greasy had been playing and we had, you know, a few younger other guys that yeah, we were the future looked good, but they might have not been starters and whatever else. And we put them in the lineup. It was against Emmett Smith and the Arizona Cardinals, Emmett Smith's last game. And, you know, yes, we might have not put our best players out there, but we weren't tanking. Gruden was as psycho on that day as he was any other day. I mean, he wasn't trying to lose the game. Trust me, he MF'd me like seven times in the first quarter. So we were trying to win. So that's where it just, I do think there is something to developing guys or wait, this guy next year, you know, yeah, he might not be as good as John the left guard, but John the left guard's probably going to be out of here next year because he's getting up there in age and he's got a number on the salary cap. We have another guy that's going to replace him. It's good. We'd like to give him some experience so he can feel positive going in the offseason. And that to me is not tanking. That's not. You know, and so that's where this. I, I just, I'm, I'm interested to see how this plays out with the gambling influence now in the NFL that you're, you're explaining so well. January two, two thousand five, the Sean King revenge game. Cardinals win twelve to seven. Although Sean King oh, did not, play I missed a throw late in the game. In that gosh, game. we should have won. Jeez, gosh, you only mustered seven points against the Cardinals. But my God, like, how'd you make it to two thousand six to lose your spleen? Two thousand five. No, you're right. I'm sure Gruden didn't want me after that. That was the ultimate, <laughs> the ultimate game of we thought we cracked the code on some of the things they were doing on the defensive side of the ball. Where we came in and we were like, oh, we got it. When they do this, we know what they're doing. And we thought, and I can remember being under center, like the third play of the game going, wait, they're not doing anything that coach said they were going to do, and they're breaking all their <laughs> rules. And I literally remember kind of like looking at the sideline when I was under the center one time, like, what do you want me to do? Because everything you taught me has just been blown up by this right here. Uh, so it was uh, quite the experience that day. And, and uh, yeah, I learned from it. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. We've managed to burn an entire hour of a two hour show in one segment. That means we got to do six in hour two. So Man, we we're going to shut up. We're going to take a break and we'll have more PFD live right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 